The Tactical Transition Navigating the Civilian Frontier Mastering Career Strategies Sharpening Networking Tools and Creating a Successful Transition Plan Hello everyone, welcome to the Tactical Transition Podcast. We focus on our senior military leaders as they transition from their military careers into the civilian job market, covering best practices, up-to-date trends, additional resources, and tips for landing that dream job. I am Cindy Poe, and I'm an executive career coach with ESOL Seminars, and I am here, as always, with my battle buddy, Michelle Lewis. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm doing fantastic, Cindy. What a beautiful day. I I hope it is as nice where you are as it is where I am. I'm telling you, we are always spread out all over the place, you know, so uh, we always have to check in with each other and and see where we are. It's like playing a constant game of Waldo. So uh, where in the world is Waldo? Where, Where is Michelle? Where is Cindy? We're always somewhere different. Uh, we're we're going to have a great, great show today. I'm going to uh, get Michelle to introduce our guest, but I just want to say before she even does the introduction, we have uh, come to admire Brady so much, uh, and he has been such an asset to Michelle and I in our classes, uh, in our workshops with our service members. He is a fountain of information. I, re- I rest assured knowing that this will not be the only time we will be talking with Brady on this show because there is always so much information. We would have to have an encyclopedia of shows to use all of his knowledge. Uh, uh, but Michelle, let's talk about that guest. Who do we have today? All right. So absolutely. And you're right. He's one of my favorite people, uh, second to his spouse. And I will tell you that we have um, done a podcast with Brady's uh, wife. And so he, he's he got um, tall shoes to fill, you know, coming after her. So let's talk about Brady a little bit. Brady Wintlett um, retired from the United States Marine Corps with more than 28 years of DOD logistics and supply chain experience. He's a seasoned manager and a strategic planner. Brady has extensive experience with ERP implementation, DOD audit, program management, and logistics data analysis. Brady has a history of leading geographically dispersed teams in austere environments and creating resource-saving opportunities. Anybody with 28 years Marine experience will completely understand that. Since retiring from the Marine Corps, the Corps, excuse me, <laughs> Brady has been supporting business development at Trillion Technology Solutions Incorporated. Trillion is an 8A applications development, systems integration, and custom solution IT company. Brady and his wife, Shauna, are good friends. And their three children um, have a passion for endurance running. And we were just talking about that earlier. So so we'll get to that later on in the, the podcast. But Brady, welcome. You really are one of our favorite people. Um, we will share that you are a former student of um, one of the executive classes that Cindy and I have taught our transitioning service members. And I think that uh, we love coming back to you Um, because you have such a success story and being able to say, yeah, maybe not everything worked out or maybe I didn't use every tool, but for um, the majority of what 
what I hope you um, took from the class, you were able to implement it. But more than that, you are excited about circling back and making sure that your uh, transitioning service members now get that um, that advice from somebody who's literally walked in their in their boots. Um, so welcome to the show, Brady. Thanks so much, uh, Cindy, Michelle. Appreciate the uh, the warm welcome. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to to talk with you guys and share some of my uh, tidbits of information that I thought were useful for me and uh, that I've shared with several transitioning service members who many of them have come back to me and said, yeah, you said this one thing that one time. I wasn't listening, but uh, here it is a year later and I feel like I really need to in- implement that into my my transition strategy, and so happy to to give that that tidbit of information as uh, as these service members uh, see the need. You know, we get a lot of folks that come back and say, "I I wasn't listening, or I didn't catch that part." And and often I think it's it's not that they weren't listening; it's there is so much information, and so they may have. Missed is something they were trying to capture and realized like, oh, well, in doing that, I missed uh, capturing this part as well. Um, so I encourage any transitioning service member never feel like, oh, you know, I, 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 gosh, I can't believe I dropped that ball. There's a lot. So come back again and again and again and talk to folks. And Brady, that's the whole basis of this podcast is let's do it again. Let's talk about it again. Let's hit another angle. Let's bring another person's advice in. So let's just start out the show with um, how about you give us some transition advice, some tips that may have worked for you or even things that didn't work so well that you'd say, maybe do this instead of this. But why don't you uh, start us out with that? One of the challenges with uh, these transition classes is there is an infinite number of jobs post-military service, whereas in the military, there is a very defined number of of occupations, and you kind of get locked into one. And so service members that are transitioning who have this infinite amount of opportunities receive this large amount of information from these Department of Labor classes. And it's just this fire hose effect of information that may or may not apply to you as a transitioning service member. And so trying to take all of that in and uh, whittle through, you know, the excess is, is, can be challenging. Um, And for me, it was, I took pages of notes of things that I thought, Huh, that's really interesting. I'm going to look into that further. Um, and some of that information I was able to look into, and then some of it I I just wasn't because my timeline was was being condensed. I do have a, uh, a number of tips that I have liked to share with uh, transitioning service members. Um, and I, I present this uh, either one-on-one with a service member over over the phone or you know, Zoom or Teams or something, whatever application suits them best. And then I've done it in a classroom setting a few different times. But uh, I kind of have five or six different topics that I'll, I'll talk about. And and uh, having the, those students engage me really kind of uh, gets my motor revved for uh, answering more of these questions or 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 defining the question that they, they have. Um, and 
I tell you, one of the things that I, I learned about from your guys' class a couple of years ago was that elevator pitch and how important that elevator pitch was as a uh, retiring service member. We we didn't speak about ourselves. We we only spoke about uh, the mission or the service members that worked for us. Um, it, it was never a internal facing uh, view. It was always an external facing view, and uh, that's a, a unique challenge that I think service members run into. And so, learning how to give that elevator pitch was something that uh, took some time for me. And I remember sitting in your class. And uh, it was like, okay, here's here's what the elevator pitch needs to look like. Go ahead and uh, go. Let's hear. And so my 30-second elevator pitch was something like, um, my name's Master Gunnery. No, my name's Brady Wetland. Uh, I'm a Marine, and I'm retiring. And uh, I live in uh, Virginia, and I think I'm interested in um, – uh, and it was just, you know, just so – robotic and not natural and uh it was it fit perfectly with the last 28 and a half years of my military experience of not being able not ever focusing on myself but focusing on something else and so being able to become comfortable and provide that elevator pitch was just eye-opening for me um and now i can spit it off you know relatively quickly and uh be able to provide that uh that understanding and, and read the audience who who's receiving that information and say, okay, it's going well. Uh, so I'm going to go one step deeper and give them something that they're not going to forget me about. Um, uh, kind of that, that, that uh, fishing lure, that, that hook in the, in the mouth there. Um, and then be able to read the room and say, okay, it's not going so well. Maybe I won't give that because this is not going to go too much further. Um, but the elevator pitch was pretty important to me. That is something that Cindy and I have noticed that that it is very hard for a service member to talk about themselves. And quite honestly, that's a good thing. You know, nobody really wants to be around somebody who just talks about themselves. But it's a whole different perspective when you are in job search mode. You've got to have that marketing tool. So that was that was really good advice. Is there another subject you'd want to touch on? Yeah, there's there's quite a few. There's a uh... I had asked my uh, my LinkedIn community about uh, how to figure out what my value was to an organization. Um, and I received uh, a bunch of different feedback. And, and I had an old mentor of mine reach out to me and say, you know, Brady, it really comes down to three different things. And it's knowing uh, what job you'd like to do, what job, the location of that job that you'd like to do, and then kind of the salary range for that job that you would like to look at. And uh, those were all important factors to me that maybe I didn't understand because number one, I wasn't sure what my field was that I was gonna go into. I knew what I was currently making as a, uh, as a Marine, but uh, understanding what I was worth was, uh, was a challenge. You know, when you were talking to your mentor and they were saying, well, you know, you need to figure out what, what job you want to do, where you want to do it, and how much you want to make for doing it. And and I will tell you, those are the the probably the three basic things. So let's talk about that. 
what do you want to make <laughs> that compensation? Let's talk about that for uh, for just a minute because that is probably the number one question that when I'm inboxed on LinkedIn from someone, they say, "How do I know what my what I'm asked? What should I ask for?" So, can you, from a you know retired service member uh, perspective, talk about how you figured out what that number was? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I certainly can. We uh, we live in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia. It's relatively expensive where we live. I knew what I was making as a transitioning service member. I knew that wasn't going to have any relative value into what I would be making for the future with my next position. And I understand that some service members run into that where they are kind of lowballed as a result of, well, you're already receiving a a military pension, maybe uh, maybe you don't need as much from from this job. So I, I, I had already understood that that could be the case. Fortunately, I didn't run into that. Um, so I knew what I was making as a transitioning service member. I wanted to make at least that much money or more. Um, and when I, I started looking at some of the uh, types of occupations that I might be interested in, um, I started to see salary ranges out there and they would have, you know, a vast difference from uh, left to right um, into where they're paying these, uh, uh, these folks to do these positions and um, sky's the limit with uh, what you can offer to a company and what the company can offer to you and being able to communicate your value to those companies, I feel was was pretty important for me. I went through several interviews. I ended up getting several job offers, but uh, one job was was clearly ahead of all the others, and that's the uh, the place that I ended up selecting. That's the information that I want the service member to always have is that that what you need to know is out there. You just got to go and research it. You have to look for it. And ranges are usually what you're going to find. Most companies especially larger corporations, if you're going to be a project manager in that company, if project manager, or let's just say associate director, they'll have an associate director at this company range might range from 130 to 185. Now that's a pretty big range. So you have to figure out the job, your experience in that. And that's always what we're, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a scary thing, but most importantly, the starting off point is to understand where you're coming from like what you were making as a as a service member and the true value of what you were making, not just that what's getting deposited on the 1st and the 15th. You know, you, you've got, you know, your insurance, your housing, all that stuff that isn't included in, in civilian life. And, and so you have to know what that value was. And that's, I think, oftentimes, and Michelle can speak to this as her and her husband had have transitioned, you know, finding that that value of what that is and knowing that that's where I need to be uh, or better um, is is hard for to to understand because the, the the compensation is so different in the civilian world than it is in the in the military um, services. So, Brady, let me let me go back to something you just said. You said you had several offers and one stood out. How, how did that happen? I mean, my question to you is, you know, there's going to be an anxiety level 
as as our service members start to transition. And um, Cindy and I can tell them, but I think it'd be much more effective coming from you. Um, you don't have to take that first offer, but a lot of times service members just feel that need to to land. Maybe I don't know if that's the right word, but how were you able to um, really consider if that was the right spot for you and say no, thank you, versus the one that you said yes, thank you to? The approach that I took was um, the first the first offer that came to to me. My wife and I jumped up and down. We were super excited and. And we immediately accepted it. And then all of a sudden we ran into this problem where we received several other offers and they kept getting sweeter. Um, and uh, so I went back to company number one and said, you know, I really appreciate this, uh, but I have this other opportunity and it's maybe a job that's better suited for me. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a... Uh, you know, one wanted to up the other and the last company that, that I ended up choosing, I didn't have any of that negotiation with. It was, that was their initial offer. And that was the offer I accepted because it was a job that I felt that I could do. Um, it was a job I was interested in. It was a pay range that I was excited about. And uh, it, it just seemed to fit all of our needs I th I think uh you know it's taboo to to uh accept a job and then turn it down um but I think there's a reality behind that actually happening um and I think it's how you deal with that uh company when you are letting them down that's super important because number one you want to save your face with that company um maybe make a recommendation for a, somebody else to replace you um, be grateful for that opportunity, um, be humble for the, uh, the, uh, the selection by that company. And I think there's just a, a better way to bow out than to just say, no, I'm not interested, even though I previously was, um, yeah. I think that's important. And I love that you're talking about handing them, um, uh, possibly sharing your information with your networks. And so it goes right back to, hey, service members, you need to be networking with folks that are in positions and, and other transitioning service members. Because like you said, maybe you work with somebody and you say, that's not the right role for me, but I think you would love this. And they you know, possibly never would have heard about that without talking with you. So that networking component. Cindy, I'm going to pass it over to you because I know the next set of questions, uh, that's your favorite. I, I think I think Brady, um, you you realize, Brady, we really truly mean it when we say you're one of our, our favorite people. One of the biggest impacts I think you make when you speak, uh, because we, we've had, invited you and had you speak to the class, is when you talk about your use of LinkedIn and how you utilize LinkedIn. Because if I had to choose a person who has utilized and used LinkedIn the correct way, if, if there is a correct way, and I think there is a correct way to use LinkedIn, you have done it. And I would like for you to, to just spend a little bit of time of talking about how you engaged in LinkedIn and, and some of your best practices for LinkedIn. Because as a, like I said, I feel like you are a very successful LinkedIn user, and uh, you could pass on those tips. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I didn't, something unique about my journey um, through transitioning out of the military is I didn't apply for a single job. They all found me and they all found me through my network. Um, one of the uh, topics that I had asked early on to some of my mentors on LinkedIn was, hey, how do I, uh, how do I get my name out there? And they said, well, start growing your community, grow your connections on LinkedIn. And so LinkedIn allows you to send, I think it's a hundred connections a week. Um, and so I said, well, how do I know who to send it to? And, and I, I got a little bit of advice and kind of honed a, a practice since that time in the, the two years or so that I've been out of the service. Um, and my approach was, the first week I would send it to everybody I possibly knew in my, in my Rolodex, in my phone, um, my, my Facebook connections, whoever I knew that uh, uh, was on LinkedIn, they were going to get a connection request. And then the second week, if I was interested in uh, technology, I might send it to uh, people with the chief technology officer uh, job description in their LinkedIn bio, I would send it to a hundred of them the next week. And then the following week, maybe I would send it to anybody with general officer or SES or flag officer or admiral. The following week, maybe it was CEO. The following week, it was president. The following week, it was, and I just went through this iteration of, of tagging a, speci a specific uh, group of individuals um, based off of what their bio has. And some, you know, some of those connections were not great connections. And so, you know, I'd get rid of them, but uh, many of them were great connections. Um, and then I would uh, follow it up with a uh, targeted post to that uh, group of connections that I had and say, um, one week I, I connected with recruiters exclusively. And that week I, uh, after they had accepted, I sent out a, a uh, LinkedIn post about, hey, I'm getting ready to transition out of the, the uh, Marine Corps with nearly 30 years of service. And it was I had put a photo of uh, both my sons on the, uh, the LinkedIn post with me, saying something to the effect that, you know, I'm thankful for young men and women who are willing to serve and continue to take the watch and uh, looking forward to opportunities in and around this area, in and around these industries. And, you know, I don't know what LinkedIn famous is, but for a uh, period of a couple of months, that thing just was as viral as I have ever been. And, and I ended up getting several job offers as a result of that, that very uh, methodically thought out, uh, LinkedIn post, that clever picture, and uh, and uh, my connections, my my LinkedIn family, if you will, um, all of that, all of that, uh, those ingredients together are kind of how I ended up finding the the various jobs or job offers that I ended up uh, receiving, and you know, LinkedIn is is you know part a huge part of my success story and i use linkedin now in my job every day um first hour of every day i'm on linkedin um, looking for industry days or uh you know contract awards or teaming partners or you know whatever it is that uh, my my current job has a need for i generally can find it on linkedin linkedin has been a uh, a uh, a valuable addition for 
my time post-military service and in my current job and in my ability to find a, a quality job. Yeah, and I, I, it's so funny because you you use the word, you know, it's part of that recipe, and that's exactly what it is. If you can figure out how to utilize all of the components of the the hashtagging, the pictures, putting a post up with a picture increases your visibility um, exponentially, and 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 then finding the people that you're wanting to target and adding those keywords into the post itself and keeping the length of the post at a certain thing and, and that just targeting that whole thing is, is just uh, brilliant. It's genius. And, and to have someone like, cause I can stand in front of a class and talk LinkedIn all day long. And you always have the people who are like, Oh, I don't want the footprint. I don't want this. I don't. Okay. And you know, can you get a job without being on LinkedIn? Sure. I, I am a firm believer. I'll stand in front of a class of service members and say, I can get you a job tomorrow. You need a job, I'll get you a job tomorrow. You're highly skilled, we'll get you a job. But will it be the right job? Will it be the career? Will it be the thing that you love? You have to, just like how you target that in your mind, LinkedIn is all about that targeting, targeting that audience. And you have just utilized it brilliantly. Of course, you know, I follow you always uh, to see what you're on there doing and you do utilize it for your work and it's it's brilliant the way that you do that and uh uh and i love your mix of uh questions and even the personal stuff you had a great post um uh just uh just the other day you know where we were we were talking about i don't know if it was bourbons or whiskeys but there was like a conversation going on around that and that makes it interesting because as i say linkedin is not your online resume it is the opportunity for people to get to know who you are, which is different than your resume. Your resume is a list of your skills and your experience. LinkedIn is who you are. And so adding that little personality and, and those interests and stuff, um, the picture of your sons, I think is just a really uh, good um, you know, example of people getting to know you and, and seeing that about you. So um, I, I think my you, perfect you do job, that brilliant. my perfect job. Thank you. I appreciate that. My perfect job might be uh, waiting for one of these uh, bourbon companies to reach out to me and say, Hey, we think you should taste test, make pictures and put recipes. And boy, that, that might be the perfect post-military. That, that, uh, that might be right it there. for you. huh? They may, and they may find you, you know what, they may very well find you in that, um, it, it, but it is, it's just, you, you've done a very good job with that, and I think it's an important message, because I certainly do always respect and understand when people say, I don't want that online presence, especially those who have served, they, they know what the world, <laughs> what the exposures mean and stuff, so I, I do get that, and I totally respect it, but used properly, it can it can definitely be the um, the the segue into into what you really really want to do. Um, so, Michelle, I want to pass it back over yeah, Cindy, to you. Let me let me take what you were just talking about and ask you, Brady, when it, like you were uh, just saying, Cindy, when you were active duty, when you were in the Marine Corps, um, what was your perception of LinkedIn? Prior to transitioning out, would you have said, yes, uh, you know, yes, young Marine, get on LinkedIn? Um, what was your perception then versus now? 
and understanding how to use it and understanding security protocols. I, I'm I'm always um, trying to be sensitive to that side. But what was kind of your before and after perception on that? Yeah, so I I had a mentor 10 years ago tell me, you should go ahead and start a LinkedIn account. It will be important one day. And so I did. And I had 50 connections for, I don't know, seven seven years or so and really did nothing on that platform. And uh, uh, that's the platform that I picked back up a couple of years ago and uh, have now kind of advanced the, uh, the, uh, the use of that. But uh, I had no idea what it was going to be used for or that it would be relevant in my life, but it is extremely relevant uh, where I sit today. You know, when we go to classes, you'll hear a lot of service members say, no, I don't want to get on there. I don't want to use that platform because there's the um, um, perception that it is similar to things like social media platforms, Facebook platforms, and nothing wrong with that. But but you'll know that service members are protective of who they are and their privacy and things like that. And so, um, I, you know, we often, Cindy and I are kind of pushing back a little on that uh, perception that they that our service members come to the table on I don't want to be on anything social media and so we're trying to say we you know we're trying to walk the line of saying we understand that but this is how you can use this tool um, to still be effective but still also respectful of their privacy and security processes yeah LinkedIn allowed businesses to find me um, whereas I thought I was going to have to find them. That was the true value for LinkedIn as I transitioned out of the military. Um, I, didn't, I didn't send not a single resume. They all reached out to me and said, would you please send us your resume? We like you for this job. And that was the value of LinkedIn. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's fascinating. And I do want to say this is going to be one of those segues. We're going to segue into something that I truly want to, Michelle and I want you to address this. You address this um, uh, in in the workshops that we have uh, when you're speaking and, and you, you have a lot to, of good information about it. I want to talk about um, VA benefits and want to talk about insurance and transitioning. So I want you to spend a little bit of time of talking about your experience with with that and and uh, the information and tips you would like to share. Sure. Yeah. With my my, uh, I was going to submit a uh, VA claim um, for disability, um, and when I was searching for VSOs, veteran services organizations or officers in in my area. Uh, I got uh, responses back like, yeah, I've done that before, uh, but it's been about two years. Um, let me hand you over to Bob here. And Bob doesn't ever return my phone call or or uh, it was similar uh, situations like that. And so I used LinkedIn again and said, hey, network, family, who can I use as a VSO, and I received a couple of names over and over again, and it was alarming how many times that I received these two names um, because they were so uh, excellent in their pursuit of 
providing this valuable service to the uh, transitioning service member. And so I have a need to plan in my life and I always have. And if I don't, if I'm not planning, then uh, my stress level is probably higher than it should be. And uh, um, I interviewed these two uh, VSOs and said, I'm, you know, X amount of months out and uh, I am going to submit a VA claim and I've been referred to you by by uh, my my community of uh, connections and uh, I interviewed the uh, the two different VSOs and one was um, suit uh, better suited my needs than the other did and as a result of that uh, I started this uh, this relationship with uh, uh, this veteran services officer with uh, the Wounded Warrior Project and. Uh, that gentleman helped me to uh, complete the process, but helped me do it in a in a manner that allowed me to be able to fit within my short, medium, and long-range goals, my plans, um, to be able to see it that way and work through my claim in that fashion. And so uh, that that worked for me. It, it helped with my stress level and. Uh, the way that he uh, uh, pitched it um, also incorporated my wife into the uh, the process where, uh, you know, it, the first conversation was something like, yeah, I'll be your VSO, uh, go get your medical and dental records and send them to me. And, uh, and then uh, he had uh, said, and tomorrow, go ahead and send me, you know, the things that you are think are claimable for, uh, the VA. Um, I, I sent him my list the next day. He, he responds back to me and says, okay, now I want you to talk to your wife and, uh, ask her about all the, uh, you know, the kind of the complaints that you are, that you have had, uh, that, that you've probably missed. And this guy was talented, right? He's obviously done this a few times. Um, and so I talked to my wife, I said, Hey, here's what I have claimed or here's, here, here's what I've sent him. What am I missing? And all of a sudden she's like, well, A, B, C, D, E, I don't see this. You're missing that. And so the next day I sent uh, the, my VSO the new list. Um, and uh, he's like, great. Okay. Go ahead and send me your medical and dental records. He received them. He came back with uh, a list and said, Here's what I see from your records that are uh, things that you should consider submitting as well. And anyway, I, I listened to my VSO. I followed the uh, the process as it's uh, outlined by the VA, and uh, you know the uh, received the uh, the percentage uh, disability rating rather. And uh, you know it's it's both. Uh, life-changing and challenging at the same time because uh, the compensation is fantastic. The benefits that you receive are fantastic and and that's great. But uh, the challenges of dealing with that inside your head, knowing that's why I have a hard time in the morning or or that's why I can't go to sleep or or, you know, that's why I can't do this thing that I used to want to be able or that I used to be able to do um, because they're related to these, you know, service connected 
disabilities. And some of those things are challenging. That percentage, that VA rating brought a reality that I hadn't faced yet. Um, and that was a unique challenge that I then had to overcome as well. I, I, I think, think that's, that's oh, sorry. Important. No, sorry. <laughs> we're, but no, we're both thinking the exact same thing about how important that message is because you see that. And, and of course, you know what you've been through. But when you start seeing it put in percentages of this disability and, and this realization of, of from a physical, medical standpoint, it can play on your psyche. And we need to counteract that. I think, Michelle. Yes, um, but, but, I, but I love that you're saying this because you were a leader in the Marine Corps and you don't always hear the leaders come out and say, hey, listen, this, this, this is going to be something you're going to have to face. So get ready. Yeah. And, get, and, and it's not that it is something that you can't overcome, but if you don't know it's coming, that's when it can really take you off your feet. So I love you're giving that advice that you know, potentially you might get in your head a little bit over that, but it still doesn't change who you are and what you're doing and what your family thinks of you and what you can be successful at moving forward. But know that uh, that there's the possibility that you'll start saying, hmm, but um, so I, I, I appreciate, I thoroughly appreciate you sharing that, Brady. Yeah, I, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, one of the things I try to tell service members is, you know, because service members are strong, right? They're just, they, they can eat nails and, you know, and spit them back out like nobody's business. And then when they transition, uh, maybe life is a little bit different and uh, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe the, that uh, VA rating is, is something they are dealing with now because uh, it, it can mess with your psyche and, Something I've tried to talk to them about as uh, as they're getting ready to go through this process is, hey, somebody loves you, your family loves you, your neighbors love you, the organization that you work for needs you, uh, there is value in you, and I think several of these service members are, are dealing with things that are uh, just incredibly challenging or, or, or can be, and uh, um, you know, that they, they have value. Um, you know, there's, there's this, there's this problem with, uh, post, uh, military suicides and, uh, yeah. gosh, it's just tragic. And I think for me, not that suicide was something I would ever consider, but, uh, receiving that VA disability, it put me in a dark place for a little bit. Um, and, knowing that I have a support group and that people love me and depend on me and an organization that I, I care about uh, is interested in me working there. And, you know, all these things that, that I can find value in and appreciation for um, and appreciate me is something I needed to remind myself of as I was going through my transition. There is value in you and there is you know, people care, I care. And so I, I try to explain that as one of the topics uh, for these service members that are going through this. Another topic that I, I talked about from time to time is the uh, uh, service benefit uh, 
program or uh, the SBP. Uh, and that's kind of the easy button for uh, transitioning service members. And uh, I don't I don't know the exact equation, but it's a couple of hundred dollars a month comes out of your retirement paycheck. And uh, should the service member pass away, their their spouse or dependent, whoever's elected, will receive a portion of their military retirement. Um, for me, that didn't make sense. We have a, uh, in my family, there's a longevity, uh, you know, close to a hundred for, uh, for, uh, grandparents on both sides. And we, we generally have long, healthy lives and, um, my wife's family, maybe not as much. Uh, and, uh, so the SBP didn't make sense for us in our situation. And so something I, I like to also discuss is uh, maybe there are better options out there and a, a better option, at least in my scenario. And this is all scenario based, right? You have to know yourself and, and maybe your history of your family and, uh, and uh, the things that you have gone through. But uh, for me, a better solution besides the SBP was the uh, term life insurance uh, for, for a uh, 20 year uh, term life insurance was significantly cheaper than uh, the SBP and uh, 20 years was appropriate for my wife and I because of our financial success and our financial goals uh, and our uh, ability to uh, kind of plan through what life would look like after your retirement. Um, but uh, there are other options besides that easy button of SBP, and I'm not sure that that's often discussed uh, um, very well at, at some of the Department of Labor classes. And, um, I felt yeah. like it was an important financial opportunity for me to have taken that road. And, and certainly there are lots of cases where the SBP is a best option. Uh, I have a buddy who, uh, who has had significant health challenges his last couple of years in the uh, service and as a result of that has a you know a shorter life expectancy um and SBP probably makes a lot of sense for he sure sure and his his wife um but again it's all scenario based and i just like uh some of these folks as they're transitioning to know that they don't have to use the easy button that there are probably other options out there that may make better sense for them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good message. So as we're getting close to wrapping this up, we always have our last question that we ask. And and rest assured, we will have Brady back again. And I, we're going to start doing some um, episodes that are very specific about subjects. Like we might talk about VSOs. We may have a subject about a show about VSOs, and and we'll want to uh, would want to have you on to talk about that because you again you've had great success and uh, LinkedIn networking things like that. But as we're wrapping up this first episode with you, Brady, um, we always ask every uh, every guest uh, to tell us a fun fact about you, something that people you know can feel like they know a little bit uh, know you a little bit better if they know this about you with your. With your wife, it was the running, which was just an amazing thing to learn. Uh, but so what is your fun fact? Uh, my fun fact. Um, yeah, for about the first 
eight, 17 years of my military career, I was just a typical nine mile a week um, Marine, um, the three one hour PT sessions. Uh, my wife, who uh, at the 35 at, at, at her 35th birthday um, decided she wanted to run a half marathon. She really got our running bug uh, created. And it wasn't shortly thereafter her first half marathon that uh, I had started running also and went from nine miles a week to, I don't know, 50 miles a week shortly thereafter. And, uh, and it kind of elevated in it. And it, uh, it got, uh, we got very passionate for uh, running marathons and, uh, and ultra marathons and uh, multi-day events and stage events and um, races, running races of all, of all types and flavors. And our family would join us uh, our, uh, our, youngest son and uh our our daughter uh have run many many of these events with us my wife and i often consider uh our time that we run together as a kind of our date time um where we get to spend this you know intimate time of sweating and uh and uh pounding the pavement and uh being able to go through each other's highs and lows and uh that's really really been a lot of fun to be able to do that with uh the person that i love most uh for a better part of 15 years now um Uh, i I, I just think that 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 you actually even gave it a little bit of a romantic feel i'm not convinced i'm not convinced yet but (laughs) but uh (laughs) I'm not convinced that that's what me and my husband need to go do, but I have to tell you, you've, you made it very romantic sounding and, and um, I think that's incredible. Brady, we want to thank you so much uh, for being on our podcast today. You gave some great tips of of advice. And um, we also want to thank you just for being a good friend. Uh, You're a great guy. And so um, just for me personally, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate both of you. And uh, what you're doing for uh, service members that, that are, uh, you know, getting ready to transition, vitally important, your your message. And uh, it impacted me very positively. And I appreciate the opportunity to be part of somebody else's journey. And, you know, you ladies started it. And I appreciate exactly what you're doing because your message is on target. Thank you so much. Another fantastic show and i want to thank everyone for listening we appreciate your time and we will never waste it and to our transitioning military veterans our focus is to bring you the aim small miss small concept and hone your focus into each transition process step until next time this has been the tactical transition podcast thank you for listening Be sure to push the follow button on our podcast and subscribe to ESELseminars.com.